0: It's Friday morning, everyone. Welcome to Kafaru Cast. I've got Frank the Tank across from me. I finally came back to work. I've been hanging out with the family, and we've got our good buddy Harold Farrenbrook in the house. What's going on, man?
1: Oh, finally, things are kind of wrapped up for the season. Um, I think this year is the first year of my life since I've been old enough to hunt that I did not have a big game tag for the United States. <laughs> not, um, not even Kansas. Um, I. No, I didn't put in for Kansas. Put in for preference points, Kansas, um, Nebraska. I could still buy a tag, but um, I ended up guiding from July 31st. I was in Alaska from July 31st till September 26th. So it took up it took up the whole it took up the whole thing. But uh, with that said, I knew I was going to uh, Africa the 28th and wouldn't be back until like the 20 first or 22nd of October. So I was gone quite a time and I still got, still killed 11 animals, but just not in the United States.
0: Yeah. The Afri- how'd the Africa trip go? Was it what you, cause that was your first time over there. I mean, did it, was it what you expected?
1: Um, uh, no, not at all. I kind of, kind of poo-pooed the idea of just, uh, the high fence stuff. And, and I just, uh, would go to Africa when I was, um, too crippled to be able to hunt. Um, where I'd be sitting in a blind, staring at a watering hole or staring at a food source and, and shooting animals. And I don't know. I just, it just didn't sound very attractive to me, but I was, God, I've been on a lot of hunting trips, whether they were my own or I was guiding for them. And without a doubt, I think this is probably my first or second most favorite trip I've ever done in my life. Um, the animals were a hundred times more wary than any deer, elk or antelope I've ever hunted over around a watering hole. and. I did, I shot 11 animals, five of them spot and stock, and six of them were, were setting in a blind over water. But I brought my own double bowl blind, we'd find a watering hole somewhere and set up on it. Um, so, and then it would take those, those animals three or four days, it seemed like, because they'd come in there and they would like, hold it, I've lived here my whole life. That's (laughs) never (laughs) been there before. What's that box? Yeah, Yeah. So, so F you, I'm not coming in. And then after two or three days they'd finally start sticking their necks out like as long as they freaking could and then as soon as a dove would fly over they'd jump 10 feet in the air and they're gone because this is way more wary and it makes sense africa i mean, they're getting killed by lepers cheetahs i mean everything is is uh on high alert around water even in the u.s but big time there um and the big thing also was like i tried to tell the ph is i'll take a 30 yard shot all day long but not around water yeah I mean, if they're out there grazing, they're out there bedded down, they get up out of their beds, kick a few pebbles out, they lay back down again, they're in their comfort zone. And taking a 30-yard shot then, they're not going to jump my string. They ain't going to know I'm there. But when they, you know, sitting around water, uh, the max shot I wanted to take, the max was 20, but I'd rather have it 12-15. Yeah. And I proved that to him over and over, and he actually invited me to come back there due to consulting for him. Um, he's opened up a whole new concession he wants for archery only. It's 40. Eight thousand acres, that'd be just for archery. Yeah. So and it hasn't been developed yet and whatnot. So we're uh, you know hopefully I'll have that opportunity to go up there in March and and help with that and get to shoot a few more critters. But what all the different species did you get? uh God, if I can remember them all. Um, I'll start off with the first one, which is a uh, elon and then um, sable, um, black Wilder beast, blue um, water buck. Two Nialas, let's see, Gimsbuck, and um, Impala. I can't remember what else. Oh, It's and, and pretty I got, good you
0: remember that many. Yeah,
1: Cape <laughs> Buffalo. And what's really unique about over there was this kind of a kind of surprise for me. I mean, I've really been hunting North America for a long time, and I, have, I know what a big bull is. I know an oh-my-god bull. I know what a big mule deer is, than like a no-brainer mule deer. I mean, I know, I know, what, I know what things are. And uh, over there, I was at the Mercy you know, I was like, they said, yeah, man, that, that's a big one. I'm like, are you okay? That's a big one. Or I'd be like, man, I'd really like to get that one. He's in a perfect spot to go stocking. Oh no, he's, he's not standard. And I'm like, or he's not even standard. I'm like, man, it looks pretty damn big to me. But <laughs> so I, the shoe was really put on the other foot in regards to having to totally depend on my outfitter or, or my pH to tell me, yeah, that's a good one. Um, they did tell me my in Yala, my second one, which is the reason why I got a second one. First one was a standard one, really nice. But then we're out there in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden, we see this giant. We thought it was a kudu because it was so big. It started twisting horns and everything. So I'm like, and the guy's like, no, that's a nyala. And next thing I know, he's texting the outfitter, and I don't know what they're doing. He's like, he says, you need to shoot this thing. I go, I've already killed one. He goes, you need to shoot this thing. So an hour and a half later, we got him. And um, he's probably number two in the world with a bow.
0: That's big, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: it, just, it put me number two. They're saying, my sable, like two or three, uh, it was a 46-inch sable. And then I got the, my favorite hunt over there. They were all great hunts. Um, was the Cape Buffalo. That was, uh, there ain't too many people. Nobody in his concession has killed one with a stick bow before. And um, I, it had, it, they told me it was a real big one. I mean it was I don't know shit about exciting. him it looked
0: big in the picture uh,
1: yeah it, it, it was a uh, I guess back in the 50s there was one shot that was 18 inches bosses and this one here's 19 and a half inch bosses um and they're all about the bosses there I saw other Cape Buffalo that I'm like would looked way more impressive to me and they're standing on top of my shoulders keep me from shooting them and they're like no man you, you we're after this one <laughs> that, we call him helmet head we tried to kill him two years ago couldn't get it done tried to kill him last year couldn't get it done and that was with rifle hunters. The thing really eluded them, which is another good example of how big these concessions are. You never see a fence until you're driving in there. And then the concession I was hunting was about twice the size of White River National Forest for people that are here in, in, and yeah. in, that know things in Colorado. <laughs> so, I mean, it would take you a couple of days to drive around the whole thing doing 70 miles an hour. I mean, it's a, you look at 44,000 acres, that's small over there. But that's 440,000 square miles.
0: Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Uh, it's, it's, so it's, it's giant. Like a, I mean, I've hunted, you know, I used to guide on the Taylor Ranch in southern Colorado, which bordered the Viejo and the Forbes Chinchera and the Blanket Chinchera. Well, that was 77,000 acres. That's one of the biggest ranches in the state of Colorado. And then, uh, but you got like uh, uh, Ted Turner's ranches and stuff like that biggest ranch I've hunted on private property wise in the state is 6,000 acres. And that was huge for me. And then over there, that's 44,000 is like, what we would consider a couple acres here. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it was, it's huge. So you never see it. It's not nothing like it like those animals, they breed there, they rut there, they die of old age there and more than half of them never see a human, you know? So it's just a total different deal. And it, and it is real hunting and all the animals other than the Impala are as big an elk or bigger. Yeah, I and mean, they're big animals. So as far as stacking things up and seeing animals you never saw before, I don't think it could get any. I I was pleasantly surprised.
0: What'd you bring over there for for bows? Because I, I I know you had a pretty heavy poundage one for the for the buffalo, but did you bring two or just one bow?
1: I just brought one, the seventy pound bow, the one I shot my American buffalo with, uh, one I've hunted with like for over twenty five years. And I had that really bad fall years ago where I busted my collarbone, on my my shoulder, my brisket. I just couldn't pull it back no more. Or at least it wasn't no fun to shoot. And I uh, blew the dust off it again for this trip. And over at Rocky Mountain Special Gear, Danny helped me build an arrow. that ended up being like 940 grains. Um, and that's what I felt needed to get the penetration for that Cape Buffalo. And that's a neat story, too, because they, the biggest problem they had there, they already two, two pHs had been killed in the last two months there by Cape Buffalo before I got there. And I'm telling them that I want to be—
2: Huh? That place or in the country?
1: Uh, in uh, the, La Pupu, the La Popo range uh, in South he Africa. He said poo-poo. Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, they, the, they, uh, so they, to try to talk them into, I want to be 10, 15 yards away from the things, kind of just rocked their world. They, they weren't really interested in that at all. And, and I'm, because of maybe the fall years ago, I'm not, I wasn't that, I have a healthy respect, but I wasn't nervous about getting that close. You know, if that's my last day, that's my last day. But I was I don't think that way. Um, I guess that might be from guiding for brown barrel these years, grizzly bears, always doing the archery deals, always the one you know, if they make a bad hit, I'm the one crawling into the alders trying to find those things. And um so you just kinda you just you just know to be on your toes, you know to be alert. But uh seeing what those Cape Buffalo did after I shot my Cape, I mean that and they're telling me like rifle shots they like typically with the rifle they shoot one in the shoulder they tell the client and four or five hours later the tracker finds them and then they shoot them again and a couple hours later they find them again and then they usually they're laid up and then they put them down in this in this situation here mine went 80 yards piled up dead and took about 15 seconds to die with with the recurve And the and the and when you see like whether Discovery Channel or National Geographic and you see nine or ten lions on a Cape Buffalo, those those Cape Buffalo are like, hey, bring another. Come on, bring all you guys <laughs> jump on, you know. Their will to survive and their will to fight is the most uncanny will, I think, in the world because uh, they just don't go into that, uh, that uh, what I want to say, adrenaline to where they can't move no more. They go into shock like a zebra you'll see a lion on top of. They're eating them, and the zebra's still blinking his eyes, and he's breathing. You know, they, they, they don't have that will. Once they get caught, they give up. Buffalo, they don't. And, um, and so they got an uncanny ability to have that uh, will to survive. So when they hear that shot and they feel that bullet whack them, it instantly throws them into that second mode of, I'm in survival mode whether I'm dead or not. And uh, with a bow, like I explained to them, when this thing hit it, he didn't even know he was hit and he went 15 yards I was like man I don't feel very good I'm 80 yards and fell over dead he never had the chance to go into that second mode
0: did you go all the way through him or just a uh, onside
1: uh i blew through I, mean, I, I got both lungs i hit the other side split a rib and then bounced back out in fact when he took off running i thought i only got like 25 inches of, of penetration and um it was it it when he because they said you cannot shoot him 100 percent broadside he has to be a little bit turned away because everything's behind the shoulder like such a gigantic shoulder and uh so as soon as he took that one step was so many opportunities i had and I, I just never had the angle that they told me i had to have to let go of the string and he finally gave it to me i mean he he just steps into it and i let it have and i, I didn't see until I mean, when he took off, I'm like, shit, I hit the shoulder. I didn't get no penetration, or I hit that rib. He takes off, and the whole herd stopped out there at 80 yards. I'm still hiding behind the trios beyond, and he's like, "Then I see the PH out there with the It's Like, well, he's looking at something. It's got to be them. So I go out there, and I join him, and there, the whole group is standing there.
0: Were they just circled around they him?
1: They just circled. They just all standing there, and he's, and he's, he's looking at them. I'm like... I go, he goes, man, your shot plateness was perfect. He come running around me. He goes, it was perfect. He goes, but you didn't get no penetration. It's going to be just like those ribs we showed you that had broadheads stuck in them from 100-pound compound bows that went in a half an inch. He goes, you just, you just didn't, you hit a rib. And um, so we're standing there looking, and he goes, you see what I see? And I'm like, yeah. And it was of Cape Buffalo chewing my arrow. <laughs> <laughs> and just looking at us just chewing my arrow and i'm like that's not the one i shot and he's like well that's the one you wanted to shoot yesterday i'm like no i shot the right bull i shot helmet bull and he sitting there and they're spitting and he's chewing on it chewing. On it. next thing you know we saw the ass of a, of a buffalo come up in the air about 15 about five six feet and come back down again he'd been laying there dead the whole time and they were starting to hook him and throw him all over the place
0: that's then they
1: started fighting each other and hooking each other, goring each other. I mean, we get over there to him, and it looked like a rototiller went through there, and there's blood all over the place, but not from him, from those other ones fighting. Yeah. this, When they smell blood, they go ape shit. And so it was, uh, it, they wouldn't leave until the, the tracker went back and got, you know, to go get the safari vehicle, and they're breaking trees, chainsaws, and stuff. And they started hearing that. They started dispersing and going away and getting away from him. And that's when we finally got to him, and yeah, they—I don't know if he was an asshole or what—but they just bait, <laughs> beat the shit out of him, you know.
0: Oh Lord! So you did it. You got 25 inches of penetration, about?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, it would have went through the other side if it would have went between a couple ribs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it would have came out the other side. I get got
0: some messages because I don't know like, I'm doing guys messaging me going on a you know whatever Asiatic water buffalo hunt. I'm like, I have no idea. I've never hunted them. I'm like, shoot a extremely heavy arrow, but i I'd, I'd heard. Eichler went over there with a relatively standard bow and had arrows bouncing off of them and had to have Hoyt send them over arrows and, and a new bow or a heavier poundage bow, just cause that, you know, mm-hmm. a 55, 60 pound bow, the arrows were bouncing off the thing. So pretty crazy. I've seen the overlaid live rib, ribs. Yeah. Pretty. I mean, they're built to take pain. I mean, they're built to for combat because with the overlapped ribs, I mean, it's literally like armor, which is, it's crazy when you actually see them compared to a standard rib cage.
1: Yeah, I mean, their, rib, their ribs are like three inches wide with three quarters of an inch space in between them. And I thought they were overlapped too, but when I got there and I've seen my animal skin, so if the, if the animal turns towards you, then they, all oh, they're like an accordion, then they overlap. Yeah. But when he turns away, then you got the space between them. So it's kind of there like, a, I wouldn't say floating ribs, but that's kind of what they do. And... So I got lucky, extremely lucky. I mean, I'm thinking, I mean, I I shot between two ribs. I wasn't aiming between two ribs, but it went between two ribs. And it kind of cut because the back of that, it's three quarters of an inch wide back of that cutthroat broadhead. And it cut a little bit of the rib on one side, but it got all the way through, went right through both lungs, right, almost hit the top of the heart and hit the other side. But when it hit the other side, it hit the dead center of the rib. And those arrows kind of twist, and that broadhead is kind of built in a way that it does that, and it just split the bone, split that rib on the other side, and came back out. But that rib, and I have pictures that I could post if I knew how to do that kind of stuff. Of the ribs are about an inch and seven sixteenths thick. Yeah, which is three times thicker than any shoulder blade you will ever find in the United States. Um, The ribs are thicker than their shoulders. I mean, it is, and then they're they're like they're overlap so how do you get through that armor so there is a science behind if you're going to go do that there's a science behind getting the right getting the right weight arrow with the right bow and the you know the setup to kind of do that and now that i've killed an american buffalo fair chase and i've killed the cape buffalo there's only three buffalo in the world so was i ever on a quest for a buffalo with my recurve <laughs> no but now i'm only one away so I'm starting to save, rub my pennies together and try to save and see if I can't go get a, a water buffalo somewhere.
2: Yeah, that's. They I, have them in Australia, don't they? Yeah. Would that be probably the easiest way to go or would you have to go to, would you want to go to like Asia or something? Randy and Denny are
0: going this year. They'd be the guys to talk to because they've both Australia. shot on them. Um, yeah, I think so. And uh, they, you know, they were just talking. I, th- I think um, Denny was shooting a 90 pound longbow or. You know, but either way, they're going over there, and, and uh, they would be good guys to talk to. Yeah, I might have to get some information from you, because, yeah. I,
1: I mean, I never was on a quest, but now... Might as it's well. like, man, yeah, I, I have all three species.
0: I shot one in Texas. It wasn't pretty. You come from, you know, here, and you shoot a... You know, a lot of guys shoot 420-grain arrows at mm-hmm. a, an elk. I think I went down there with a 470-grain arrow. I shouldn't even say this. I think I shot it 17 times before I finally <laughs> died. It was bad. Um, I, I didn't know. You know, I, right. I knew... It was. It looked like a pincushion when I got yeah. done. But you know, it's it's times like that where you really learn about what it takes to go through an an animal or a thicker, mm-hmm. you know, the thicker portion of an animal. Because what are your normal setup? What are you? Five hundred and eighty six hundred grains in a
1: my normal setup is six hundred and seventy grains. Yeah. Um, but that's shooting my seventy pound recurve. Yeah. Um, now that I broke my sh- uh, busted up my shoulder, on uh, and then I went from my seventy pound limbs to fifty nine pound limbs. Um, now I think I was shooting. Um. 570
0: yeah were, were you shooting those axes i gave you yeah yeah they're right yeah. in there 575 uh, yeah. 600 somewhere in there
1: yeah so that's kind of where i was at with that but uh, now I'm, I'm i'm feeling good and i'm, I'm i've always shot that 70 pound bow like it's just my just shot it very really, really well
0: i'm a pussy man I, I shot that one of yours and uh it's not for me um <laughs> i i mean i would shoot it obviously if you have to i can shoot it but i'm i'm, I'm digging a 60 pound bow um and there's it's a big just,
1: difference there, and I was digging the '62 <laughs> until I until I went back to it with this whole Africa thing. I'm like, God, is it? Uh, uh, I don't know if I'm starting to get some scar tissue over my hemorrhoids or whatever, but if it's not. <laughs> when I pull it back, it's not as bad anymore. Yeah. Oh, hey, funny. one example I wanted to give uh, about Africa, and, and some people, you with us all being hunters, Frank, me, um, Aaron, you always get that deal. Is, is is don't you ever feel bad, or is there, is in, in certain things? And I never had a good explanation for what i do and why i do it other than it's a passion of mine and i eat everything i hunt and I'll, I'll never regret or apologize for doing it but when i was in africa they one of the things they wanted me to shoot was a giraffe and i just i had zero interest in shooting a giraffe just none um i'm nothing against people shooting giraffes i'll will add that but i had none and uh but i re- always wanted a zebra and i got a zebra and i got a zebra in a really cool way and um but that we had this one giraffe. It was a bull giraffe. It was, I mean, I've seen a lot of giraffes. I've probably seen 70, 80 giraffes. And they. Th- this one here did stand out. It was a giant, beautiful colored giraffe. And um, so the wind was blowing hard that day, like 25, 30 miles an hour. We parked the truck. They go, man, you got to go shoot that. I mean, we, we're we going to be culling some giraffes anyways. I mean, it, it, I'm like, and, they go, and, and nobody sneaks up to them with a bow. I mean, they, they got sky view advantage, you know, the whole bit. So... <laughs> I'm but because the wind was blowing, he's sitting there chewing on the tops of these trees that are just starting to turn green over there, and um, uh, so I, I I get out of the truck and i I'm walking over there, and it's about oh a third of a mile, and I finally get right next to him i'm I'm ten yards away, and his ass is facing me. he said the only place to shoot him was right in the brisket, right does everything on the draft, same thing so I mean, I'm, I'm right there and I'm looking right up at him and all of a sudden he hears something back at the truck and I heard it too. I heard like a door slam or something and he turned around to look. So now I am, he's looking right over the top and he has no idea there. So I have that sweet spot. I mean, I have it. I could see it. And uh, I drew back the bow and I, I still, I still didn't shoot it. Yeah. Now, and then another client went out there the following day and they shot it. I mean, and I, I helped them do it. I helped them work on it, but it was just one of those things that sometimes there is that animal and I found mine. I didn't know I had one. I thought I could shoot anything and everything. I just had no desire to shoot a giraffe.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat on the giraffe. Amy was asking <laughs> me about it and I don't, Alex just shot one and I don't give a shit if somebody shoot polar bears. Another one. I don't really, Yeah. I don't have any ambition because Randy's going on a polar bear hunt this year. And uh, he's like, man, you should go. And I'm like, as much as I like shooting bears, I got no ambition to shoot a poor mm-hmm. bear for whatever reason. I, yeah, I, I, not,
1: I, uh, I, I can't come up with one other than I just didn't do it. I, I, I didn't know I had one until that moment. I didn't know I had it. So whether that makes me human or just uh, just uh, stupid because I didn't do it and I passed an opportunity, I don't know. But I just.
0: Blame it on Toys R Us. Probably Toys R Us. Jeffrey or the giraffe. Jeffrey the giraffe. Yeah. I was, uh, remember Toys R Us? The uh-uh. giraffe? It's a toy store in there. Mascots, Jeffrey, the giraffe. I'll blame it on that. I just have no ambition to shoot. Although you watch them neck whip each other on those videos. Uh-huh. That'll make you want to shoot a giraffe. Those things are fucking violent with their necks. When they yeah. start whacking each other, I wouldn't yeah. want to do that.
1: <laughs> but I found mine, you know, another thing where they, I had a chance to shoot a crocodile. I had really no desire to do that either, but, um, not, but I probably would have, if I would have got <laughs> close
0: enough. I definitely want to shoot an alligator. I, uh, in Florida and I was down there and they were trying to get me a tag. There's 10, 12 footers, mm-hmm. but it's such a shit show because when they go in the water and, you know, depending upon what happens and where you hit them and there's grappling hooks, it's a pain in the ass from what I understand. But, um, it, it could can be candy. a show. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, the other thing about Africa that anybody that might want to go out there is, uh, uh the, the handicap I had was those guys with the spot and stock with bow because they pretty much, they do safaris with rifle. And with Bo, you're going to be stuck in a blind. This guy here was an outfitter that allowed that to happen, wanted you, and kind of was all in on spot and stock. But there's a big difference. And what I found out was when I was doing my Cape Buffalo, they have these trackers. And the trackers there are better than any hound dog I've ever been in chasing lions (laughs) everywhere. New Mexico, Arizona, when they do the dry land, or Colorado. These guys are insane. We'd be driving along and they, they put these guys on the front of the truck and you're doing about three miles an hour. And they like put their hand up in the air and they get out, they look. And he goes, yep, this is a, this is a nice bull track for Cape Buffalo. Um, and then everything's in two mile by two mile grids through this jungle. So they go up, up and around and they come back to the original track to see if you're still in that two miles by two miles. Then we get out. Well, the first couple of days we did that, I'm like, this is so stupid. But to get back to what I was talking about, they, this is kind of like sand, not quite dirt, not quite sand, but just something in between. I could put my foot right next to this buffalo track and pull it back up and all the sand kind of caves in on it. And it looked no different than the track that we were following. (laughs) I'm like, how do you know this is a, how, how do you know how fresh it is? So, um, it was, uh, they had two trackers. One was in kind of in training, but very, very good too. And they wanted to go out on a track and the, the, the veteran was like, it's a cold track and the kids like, uh, I, I don't think so. So they go out and go about four or 500 yards. And then there's some shit there on the ground. And the, and the guy picked it up and stuck it right in the nose of the one and said, <laughs> cold track. <laughs> and we went back. And it was, it, was, it was fresh shit, but it was like three or four hour old shit. Um, these guys just know. It's just an uncanny, uh, something they're born with, because I don't think you could train for it. But we would follow these things with the wind to our back. And I'm like, well, you know, this ain't going to work. And it didn't work. You get about 60 yards from them because they're so good. And they got eyes like eagles. They would see them before they saw us. But then it's too late to back out when you're 67 yards away. If the wind's wrong. It's too late to back out. And that happened two days in a row. And I'm like, hey, you know, I'm through. I'm not going to hunt Cape Buffalo no more. This is stupid. You're not going to get an animal with the wind to your back. They go, we aren't retarded as you're saying we are. We know the wind was wrong. <laughs> but we're hoping they'll take a hard right or a hard left. and We'll have a quartering wind. I go, well, it hasn't worked out so far. I go, you guys got such a luxury. It's two miles by two miles by two miles. We know they're in there. I go, I'm going to show you the difference between tracking. And then I'm going to show you the difference between spot and stock. And then I'm going to show you what it is. I mean, I'm tracking and then spot and stock. And then the third thing is still hunting. You're going to hate me. <laughs> You're going to hate me. But if we know he's in this two miles, put me where the wind's on my face and we're going to grid this thing ourselves and i'm going to walk 10 yards glass i'm going to walk 10 yards glass i'm not going to be stupid about if i can go 30 yards in glass and see the same stuff i'm not going to but that's my example to you and that's how we got close then we started doing that you know so it was this sign of a um they they don't think like bow hunters yeah um and as far as how far their stuff was away it was too far away in my mind and um and that's why I'm going back there to consult. So it's, uh, it, was, it was a good learning curve for all of us. And it, I, it was a, an incredible hunt. So I would recommend it to anybody.
2: How hard was it to get that close to it to make the shot since they're, they're um, uh, pretty grouped up and all those eyes and all that stuff like that? The eyes
1: that. kick your butt. Um, the, El- the Nialas are, the bulls are kind of solitaire. Uh, it's been after the rut when I was up there in October or whatever, but they were kind of by themselves. With that said, there's still a lot of other animals you had to weed through to get to them. So it was difficult. It was, uh, um, a lot of it was knowing that they're in that, they're having the luxury of knowing they're in that two miles by two miles and then just be able to keep the wind in your face and do just to do a a ton of still hunting. You know, not, not so much spot and stock where you're seeing them and you know they're there and you go 50 yards and you can get behind a bush and you're looking, yeah, they still ain't looking over here. That's spot and stalk because you're looking at them and you're stalking. Still hunting, you don't know they're there. Um, you're just acting like they're there every step. And so it just makes you walk a lot quieter and do a lot of different things. So um, a lot of times I shot an animal, but that wasn't the animal I was after. But I was still hunting and we saw them first, you know, and I couldn't get through them. So I might as well shoot one. <laughs> the,
0: the, um When you, when you were um, uh, over there, like, is, there, is, is this area because it, it, it sounds like they've guided in the one spot rifle hunters quite a bit but they're looking at they're going to open another area for just bow hunters that's what you're going to consult or correct or help exactly them with. exactly gotcha and when will they, do they think that will be open did they mention that i think
1: this year yeah uh, they're in there with bulldozers they're putting the 44 thou, 47 acres that doesn't have no roads in it, no, nothing. So it, uh, and you can't walk 10 feet in that stuff without clippers. I mean, without something, because it, everything wants to grab you and snag you, just like walking through, you know, Mexico or New Mexico or Arizona. It was, uh, um, so now they, they got to grid it and to make it to where they can get clients into it.
0: Gotcha. No, Patrick, our Patrick, he's been to Africa and he bugged me four years ago. He's like, you, you he said, it's the one thing you have to do in your career at one point in time you've got to go to africa and i'm like man it's just not my thing and i I I said that a thousand times (laughs) yep i say i don't i don't really i said maybe one day i'll go and you know he's like man you need to get over there do a normal hunt and then try to you know mix it in on a coal hunt where they're you know wanting to weed out some Mm -hmm. animals and uh, he he loved it over there and he was the same way he didn't think he'd ever like it and he went over there and he shot all kinds of shit and he he wants to go back i should probably get him another hunt to go over there because he he really liked it, enjoyed it, and as far as photography, he told me he's like you'll never find another place that's better to to photograph as far as crazy ass animals and everything else. So
1: oh, that's true. And then my 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 wife came with me, and she went to Kruger National Park uh, for three days while I was still there hunting, and just the typical stuff with how the United States always gets involved. Whether it was that lion that was shot that was drawn out of the park, and just a lot of bad publicity, the wrong people up there at the right time as far as media, and then they. They ruined that dentist's lives. His kids had to relocate to different high schools. They had to get different names. He got ran out of town because of the media. Well, right now, the Kruger National Park, they used to hunt it. They used to hunt it for elephant, rhino, things like that. And the poaching disappeared. There was a no-tolerance field deal there. They killed them on the spot, poachers. So when you went out with the park officials, the, the PHs that worked for the park, they would um, they and they would, they had clients, they had the hunters. So they heard other shots. They knew it wasn't their clients. They knew it was poachers. They went over there and killed them. A lot of snares are set up and things like that to try to get the elephant. They, they poison all the water holes and then they kill all the elephants and the rhinos and anything around there that drinks the water. So then the, white, then the United States gets involved and says, hey, if you kill any more elephant, we're going to cut off your stuff. Kind of like what Biden did with... Uh, given the, <laughs> with ukraine with yes. ukraine with a, uh, with a you know without a with a billion dollars hey you don't you don't fire this guy then we're going to cut off this billion this billion dollars well the united states does the same thing to africa and um saying hey if you kill any more lions you kill any more elephant we're not going to give you no more aid so they do they appeal they appeal to that and um and but nobody ever says like that the town that that lion was around is now a ghost town the media's never going to tell you that um but uh my back to kroger national park is the so much of the park now is destroyed because the elephants are just very destroyed and they're not controlling them in snow. now the only people hunt in the park are the poachers because yeah. they stopped hunting in it and um there is now it's so hard to get a permit there for elephant where i was hunting i got a video that i'll show these guys when we're done with this thing of i mean this thing is charged on my double bowl blind his truck comes over and this knocks off a lot of the brush we where we had it brushed in and my ph is like we're, I've never been this close to a, uh, that I didn't kill it. <laughs> I mean, this thing's charging us because this is freaking me out. And um, so it was, uh, we got some really good, fo- good footage of, up close and personal, but they can't even get no permits because of the United States. They can't control their own stuff and it's, it's destroying and, and hunters ain't allowed to do it. They culled out of the net, Kruger National Park like over, over 100, 100 elephants that they shot. Just to try to control them, but not let hunters do it. Yeah, the, the, the same stuff. The United States is always trying to screw up the world. And, uh, and the other thing was kind of cool, or not kind of cool. But I wear a, a Trump 2020 hat everywhere I go. And uh, I just got a haircut yesterday, so I'm not wearing one now. But I we go to the airport, my wife's like, "You're going to get us killed. This is going to work <laughs> in a third world country?" I it was overwhelming me. Every single person in Johannesburg and where we went, they wanted that hat. I mean, they they like. They go if if the United States crashes and burns, we crash and burn. A strong U.S. makes a strong Africa, and if if the, we are strong because of a strong president, and um, and so they, I, man, I could have sold that hat for, I could have traded it for another sable. <laughs> I mean, it was it was freaking awesome how that's a support of 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 how a strong America, how much it affects them over there too.
0: Oh yeah, a pile, and you know that lion deal, which. I, I'm fairly up up to speed on how they just screwed that guy over. But, you know, that, that lion was an old lion, couldn't mm-hmm. breed and was beating the fuck out of everything. Yeah, it
1: wasn't allowing it, the rest of them to breed. No,
0: it was not. And so technically letting that lion live, if you're going to hashtag conservation, was bad for the ecosystem because it can't breed. And that saying, you know, a, a lion's most dangerous the last few years of its life. Or, well, he's just kicking the shit out of everyone So it would have done the ecosystem better by shooting it. And, you know, the other thing, you can't, whoever, we had that guy on the podcast, you you can't stop age, right? You can't stop time. No. It's going to die anyway shortly. Right. So you might as well make money from it if it's going to die and you're going to help the ecosystem at the same time. But, you know, Americans, and and I've got to deal with it all the time too, but trying to to talk, speak, you know, common sense about these things is almost impossible. Um, You know, and I'm constantly getting some kind of, you know, fucked up, email or I just post a photo of that wolf, Mm -hmm. you know, did you eat it? Why would you shoot it? And it's like, are you that dumb? Like you, you can't research and figure out why you'd want to shoot a wolf, but yeah. People love wolves.
1: (laughs) Well, I I posted a picture of me uh, using, uh, your, your, the pack frame you let me take up to Alaska last year, packing out a, you know, a hind quarter or front quarter of a, of a moose leg and people, I mean, feed me back like, oh, so where's the rest of the moose? I'm like, well, it took about nine trips to get that out, but it's kind of repetitive and all the pictures would look the same. So I took a picture of this yeah. one, but so they're assuming that, oh, so you're just going to take that leg back and leave the rest of the, I go, no, that's what a wolf does. Um, that's not <laughs> what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to eat the damn thing.
0: The whole thing, like when you pack a rack out and you take a photo of it and everybody's, you know, where's the meat? Well, I mean, it look you could have gear in your pack. You. You can't fucking tell when there's deboned meat in your pack. You're just uh-huh. taking a picture of a guy with his pack on. Right. There's no, you know, there's nothing cool about that. Where with the rack, it's a cooler photo. Oh, you left the meat? And it's like, no, I didn't leave the meat, you fucking asshole. Like, really? Like, it, it's a it's a photo that's showing the rack or whatever on the pack. But if you take a photo of the meat in the pack, it's just a backpack. You yeah. can't see what's inside. So, yeah, I uh, I don't mind it as much from, from anti as you're used to it. When it's other hunters that are getting
1: involved saying dumb shit like that, I get a little fucking irritated. Yeah, it and, that, and that's what I was getting from hunters. I mean, <laughs> hunters are, um, I don't know. It, uh, I mean, hunters are the reason why Colorado lost our bear season. I mean, they're, and then they're like, well, I never see a bear. I, I'm not going to hunt bear. I'm just a deer and elk hunter. I'm, uh, shit." yeah, I, we don't need to hunt bears. And we, Colorado, hunters are the reason why Colorado lost our bear season.
0: Cause it, so to elaborate, I, I dug into this relatively deep. Um, when We lost by 2%. On the vote, right? So when it, when it went to vote, was it in 89 or 90-something, whatever it was? Um, I think it was 92. 92. The reason why the vote was so close, there were so many hunters that were like, I don't care about bear hunting, voted against it, and the yeah, vote exactly. was 2%. If it goes back now, we'd get slaughtered because of the whatever, Boulder and Denver. But it, uh, it was hunters that lost it because that would have been the 2%. And even now, like with the wolf thing, I keep getting messages from guys that are pro-wolf that are, that are hunters. Mm-hmm. And a- Amy and I have been watching all kinds of stuff, um, you know, different Nat Geo and, and studying. I'm, you know, kind of showing her with this, the whole wolf thing. That there is a lot of truth to what they say about introducing wolves into Yellowstone. There was a lot of elk, killed a lot of elk. It did help certain specific things if you want to look at it very one-sided in Yellowstone um of course they don't stay in the fucking park which is part of the problem two colorado's not broken there isn't too many elk in colorado no. you know what i mean and so and they were talking about just releasing them in rocky mountain national park well they're not going to just stay in the park right there's no fence in the park and so what will be what will happen as they get outside of the park as they breed and the management aspect to, to my knowledge there hasn't been some state of the art management plan of what happens after they introduce them they'll probably have a management plan to the point after it's so far gone and all the ungulates are just crushed then they'll talk about managing them and at that point they're pretty fucking hard to kill so it's hard to manage them
1: yeah it is well, like you well, to me i mean we've we've said it before in the podcast why don't you just talk to your neighbors montana idaho you know, ask them what they feel or Minnesota and, you know, after they introduced them, you know, like that, they would do it again. Absolutely not. They would no way do it again. I mean, I mean, Montana alone, I think closed nine units. Yeah. Three years after they introduced wolves, they closed them. You could no longer hunt deer and elk there because there were no deer and elk there. And so when it comes to try to managing them, how do you manage that? But, uh, the, the whole idea in Colorado right now with the whole moose thing is like, I mean, the wolf thing is we're going to introduce wolves, So we can prove to the United States that if you have wolves, you don't need hunters. And we're like, okay, yeah, they will kill all the deer and elk. And if they kill the deer and elk, there won't be hunters. So what about that? And they go, well, we would rather our children to grow up knowing there was, I mean, not ever see a deer elk in their life because they're gone. They're erased from the planet than for them to ever know they were ever hunted by a man. And that's the mentality of people these days.
0: Well, and it should tell you something that all the, from what I understand, which this is I'm sure. True. There's a gag order on any, any game warden in the state of Colorado cannot talk about the wolves. They can't, they've been put on a gag order. I can't have one on a podcast. Talk about it. They can't talk about it to anyone. Well, if they're put on a gag order and their jobs are threatened by that, that means they don't want them obviously speaking their minds about Mm -hmm. what they think of the wolves, which is fucking crazy. Right? I mean, wouldn't you want to listen to what somebody that's in the field every day has to say? About?
1: God, I wouldn't have thought that the Clintons or the Pelosi's were involved with all that kind of stuff, but <laughs> yeah, no shit. put gag orders on anything that opposes anything they don't want. Um, has
2: anybody ever brought up the lost economy from hunting licenses? Oh, I'm I'm
0: sure they have. But again, I think like what Harold said is you're trying to speak common sense to people who are irrational because what, what is is it? 47 million, I got a P, 47 million a year is what? Colorado has in tags. Is, it, is that right? Is it something
1: like that? I have no clue. I know it's in. It's a, it's like a two thirds higher than skiing. It is more
2: than skiing. Is it two is thirds higher in, than skiing? Is that in, yeah. is just for the hunting licenses? Or? A,
1: no, 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 I don't. I can't classify it as just the hunting licenses. You know, it could be the hotels and the gear that's bought and the and that kind of stuff as as a lump sum, and and, and it could be incorporated as a lump sum. But I don't know. Uh, just in tags alone, I don't know what that
2: is. Yeah, so that would be a, a pretty decent amount of money lost.
1: Oh, incredible. But they get so many grants. I mean, they get grants for, you know, management and this, that, and the other. So they, I don't think they're really concerned about hunters' licenses anymore. If they can appeal the Republic of Boulder, if they can get on their good side, (laughs) uh, then um, they don't, uh, they don't care about tags and they don't care about the wildlife. Like I've always said, if the wildlife could survive against the Colorado Division of Wildlife, they got a chance of survival. The whole chronic wasting disease thing they got going on. Like for an example, in, in Alaska right now, they found... Uh, god I can't remember the name of the disease uh, for lack of a better word um, the, the pneumonia that kind of hits the bighorn sheep and stuff in the lower 48 that's not what's going on in Alaska but it's it's a disease that is common and it's transformed it comes from uh, domestic sheep well they found this and everywhere they've looked in in Alaska so they did they looked in about three units in the state of Alaska sheep units and they they made it mandatory that they get checked well any ram that's killed in Alaska has to be checked in anyways. Um, it's got to be at least eight years old, full curl, or double broom. So they made three units to where the biologists checked to see if they had this disease. And again, I can't remember the name of it, but for lack of a better word, we'll just, call it, we'll just call it pneumonia. They found it in all three units they checked. So what does that tell you? That tells you that it's always been there. And it tells you by the rams being brought in, they're mature rams. So they, whether they built an immune tumor and it shows in their DNA that they had it in a younger age and they got through it, Because now you're bringing them in and they're a 10 11 year old ram they're a big majestic full curl ram double broomer whatever it has to be otherwise it's not even legal well if that happened in colorado colorado would instantly want to kill all the sheep in the state of colorado they would want to eliminate them just like they do with the deer and elk they uh they think well as long as we eliminate the species we'll eliminate the disease so what's worse i mean anywhere in colorado that they have checked for chronic wasting they have found it so it's always been there um and the way it's designed and the stuff i read up on about being in the soils it'll never go away so they can kill all the animals it's still there you know the only thing that'll kill the disease is a is a is a ground fire to where there's a certain amount of heat that kind of has to get into the soils to kind of burn that stuff out of there to where it goes away so again um, i know colorado's making a lot more units mandatory that you bring them in to have the heads tested they'll never be able to prove one way or another and i just got through saying earlier in the podcast i don't have a tag for the united states this year but uh I, I would just tell them I didn't kill one the because last thing I want them to know is that the one has chronic wasting because they'll, they'll just flood the unit and have you kill everything in it. And that's just the way they operate.
0: Yeah. It's unique. And I, I've, I've talked to, I'm hoping to get, um, a couple different, um, game wardens on here as well as a, and we'll probably have you come down and we do it, but as well as a couple of biologists, because there's certain things that, I totally understand that the Fish and Wildlife Department does and then there's other things I totally don't understand. Uh-huh. And so it's, you know, rather than going off too half-cocked, I'm kind of like, you know, let's ask some questions and you know, the the like with what you're talking about. Well, I'm bring up one. Did we need to wipe out all the mountain goats in the Independence Pass area because they were beat, beating the shit out of the sheep? I, I don't know if you remember that. Oh yeah. You know? Oh, the,
1: well the, uh, there there's not a unit in the state right now where we don't border sheep that they're not saying, "Uh, we got to have that buffer zone." So this is a trouble area, so if you put in for a tag and you're on standby and you didn't draw, and all of a sudden we're figuring out that there's a, a goat within 10 miles of a sheep, we're going to send you up there to go kill it. I've never understood that. When you look at all the other states, they don't feel that way. <laughs> I mean, they all have no problem. So that kind of what I'm leading up to. Idaho, you know, Idaho's yeah. got sheep and goats yep. in Montana.
0: Was it one or two times by happenstance the goat was, you know, fucking around with a sheep? Was this over and over and over? Like the documentation, like, You know, where's the data from what made the decision? So, you know, Frank and I could be wrestling outside in the front yard, screwing around, somebody could drive by, and if they're like, oh, my God, Frank and Aaron hate each other. Was it a one-time instance where, you know, a goat was just picking on a sheep? Or was this something documented over years and years and years that was an actual threat to sheep because they fucking decimated the mountain goats in that Mm -hmm. Independence Pass area? Yeah, And was it needed? I don't know. I'm not a biologist, but I'd like to know what the decision came from you know
1: or why the why that uh, that frame of mind is when your surrounding states every state but the state of colorado doesn't care that goats are intermingling with sheep only colorado
0: i've never seen a sheep kick the shit out of or a goat kick the shit out of a no sheep, and if so. i'm getting
1: my shit kicked out of me i'm gonna go over to the next pass i mean i'm going to the next mountain
0: well, i was gonna say if if a, if a sheep sees a human they run quite away, so I can't imagine if uh, you know two fucking horned uh, animal is poking the fuck out of it. It's not
2: going to run to the next basin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean. They're going like, to control <laughs> their own stuff. Yeah, I mean, exactly. you're not going to hang
1: around a bully. I mean, the, it's no. not going to happen. Is
2: it just them uh, fighting, or is it also like competition for food and stuff like that? Well, I, the food thing never was brought where I
0: saw that was an issue. It was that they were beating the shit out of the sheep. But you might
1: uh, nope. That what Aaron said is spot on. That's never been a deal. <laughs> There's never been a deal about, uh, about the, vet, the, the groceries that are up there because the groceries will handle like if you could all of a sudden turn that goat into a sheep, they'd probably like that. Or one or the other because there's enough groceries there to sustain the amount. So let's just say that now we just all of a sudden, a fictional, turn all the goats into sheep. There's enough groceries up there for that many more sheep. So now that there are two different species eating the same amount of groceries, it's no different. There's enough food up there for them. I, I don't. I never have understood their science. I am willing and would love to learn it and be very cordial about it and try to educate more than what I've already done. I have been anal about you know looking at their research, talking to people. I mean, my main source down there was Janet George. She recently retired, so I've I've been savvy to some literature uh, that's been handed to me that, that the general public hasn't got and. And nothing has changed my opinion about the way I really feel. If, if the animals in the United, in Colorado can survive the Colorado Asian wildlife and their management programs, they get a chance of survival. If not, they're screwed. Yeah. Well,
0: there's other issues that, um, I'm not second guessing them. I would just like to know. I just like more knowledge. We talked about it before when they transplanted some sheep, mm-hmm. you know, where that came from, why I'm not, I'm like, again, I'm not second guessing them. I'm just curious why they put those sheep where they did you know why was it it wasn't for example the mountain lion tags increased maybe the year before they put the sheep in to give the sheep a better chance it's easier armchair quarterback and i totally get that but um you know coming from a guy who like when i first met you i knew you knew what you were talking about because you knew of animals that i knew of that no one else Fucking knew of. And you yeah, like, were like, oh, showing yeah.
1: E- we're showing each other pictures. <laughs> we're like,
0: oh, shit. I, know, I thought that was mine by myself. <laughs> yeah. You know, on the ground, boots on the ground, right? And Frank, how many times have you run into a biologist in the outdoor in, in the state of Colorado in the woods? Maybe a fish person, but not a... Well, in the, excuse me, in the wilderness or in the, in the high coffee. Oh. Zero. Hero? Zero. Mine rhymes with hero as well. Um, so is that good, bad, indifferent? Are they just there in different days? Do they need to be there? These are all questions I would like to ask because... If and this is something like like Bart Lancaster is huge. He gets super pissed off if you're if you're making a decision or a vote and you're not there, you don't get to vote, right? If you haven't been back That's into the woods. phenomenal
1: policy, yes.
0: And if if um, you know you're talking about mule deer numbers, if you're flying over and choosing the uh, tag allotment, the you know the thing very important things off of a flyover. I don't think that's doing your due diligence or the justice to that specific animal, that unit, the hunters, the whole package by just doing a flyover. Now, I also understand if they're doing flyovers because of monetary issues, meaning they don't have the manpower. I understand that, but I also understand if you ask some guys to volunteer, you know, maybe we could start working together more because I, I would have to say the three of us would volunteer in a heartbeat if you said, hey, you know, you get to go play out in the woods and, and count mule deer. You know, for a week. Well, fuck, sign me up. You know, I, I, exactly I, sounds good to me. And so, those are the different things I definitely would like to have a, a conversation about. Um, I mean, I don't know, if, like, Frank, where we were at for mountain goats, how many goats did we see in that one spot? quite a few in and, and, and one day. I mean, when we were there, what would you take a guess when you were hunting?
2: Mm hmm. 15, 20. Yeah, I'd say 20
0: probably. And that wasn't even a good. I wouldn't say that was the greatest day of the world, right? I mean, that was, there was gunshots going off and shit, but that wasn't the highest number. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, doing the, the, the goat counts, are they doing those counts on foot and a flyover? Are they doing them, um, is it a combination? Is it what, it, you know what I mean? Those are the kind of things I'm just curious about.
1: What I'm curious about is the the amount of void time between they do do flyover. let say they flew over or maybe they did have feet on the ground this year. Is it like every three years? Is it every five years? I mean, because things change between you know, like right now, in um in G five down there, a good good friend of all of ours down here uh, drew a tag down there, and I had a couple of friends that drew tags down there in G five this year.
0: Got their ass fucking handed to them. Yeah, and
1: <laughs> and they they hunted their asses off. I know that area like the back of my hand, um, and just um, put them into my sweet spots where I knew without a doubt they were going to find goats, and they didn't. So. Also looking at it, they were 500% above average for their snow levels last year. Yeah. So to me, that would be a little alarm that maybe even if you did the goat counts the year before, and maybe it is all about <laughs> budget stuff. But yeah. the numbers might have changed. The, the numbers might have changed with the 500% <laughs> above snow levels. Uh, so they went up there and without question, uh, Danny ran into other hunters and there was other people that he found out by being down there at the archery shop. And it's a, you know, it's a community. They get a lot of archer in there find out I mean, how many other people had a tag the same time he did so they kind of all kind of kept tabs on each other and kind of you know dialed each other in and nobody saw any goats danny saw a total he count on one hand out of about 19 20 days of hunting he saw not even double digits worth of goats where i was seeing 30 40 in a basin so something happened so is that an alarm or a tool that the dow used to say you know what, instead of allowing 30 tags in there, you might be dropping that sucker off to, you know, a half dozen, whatever. I don't know what they're going to do or, or if the goats just moved and they're somewhere else, but I don't know. Goats like high country. Yeah. They, they're not, not to say they're not in the trees, um, but. It takes a lot
2: for them to get there here, though. Was yeah, it too think, late for them to change the quota or how often can, do you know how often they can change the quota? These are the questions I'd like to find these, out. That, that's, my, that's my <laughs> point. maybe it's, they were just, they, they, they couldn't change it and they already gave out the tags and they're like, well, shit.
1: Um, and, and it wasn't going to hurt anything because nobody's going to kill anything if they're not there anyways. <laughs> and I think, which is another way they look at it.
0: Yeah. I was just going to say, that's probably how they looked at it. But yeah. again, I think though, as far as like trying to work together, um, you know, I, I think it would be a good idea as far, and I'm sure they do this already, but maybe let it be known a little bit more and, 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 and kind of vet the, the people doing the counts. Um, you know, when I get along super well with Dawson, who's in the, the 285 corridor, and he and I talk somewhat frequently. I don't know whether he listens to me or not, but he's pretty dialed into that, that unit. Mm-hmm. I don't really ever worry about anything in that corridor because he's in there and he's, he's pretty up on what's going well, he's on. He's active I mean, in it and he has a high voice. And that's why that corridor is so good. Fuck yeah. He's active. And, and I can't say it. I mean, I don't know how much he likes me, but I can't say enough good stuff about him because he knows areas that I know he had to, he, he had to walk his ass back there. Mm-hmm. Right? He knows elk like bulls that big fucking bulls and mm-hmm. he knows they're there which means he's got boots on the ground it's other areas that i get more well i guess a little bit more worried and you're about.
1: only as good as the people working for you and the, and and that no matter what industry you're in and i think they're the same way and the, and the whole reason i brought up the whole thing about g5 is what aaron said earlier about us working together i think there's some some influential people out there that are reliable and trustworthy that the DOW knows who we are and can tap on that resource. And um, I think the resource they could get right now about G5 is the same guys that I know. I mean, they would tell them flat out, boots on the ground, what they saw and what they didn't see. And and that that would be enough to where, okay, we need to budget this much helicopter money or miss the plane money to go check out G5 to see what the heck happened down there.
2: Yeah. You say they didn't want to be somebody from their... Would want to be or didn't want to be on the podcast? So we could ask them these types of questions.
1: No, I've got, I've got a couple. Um, just a gag order deal ga- about some of the
2: questions. They game
0: wardens, we just there were certain specific things I can't ask them, and that's wolves is definitely one of them. You know, the the biologist standpoint, I just got to bug a couple guys again to get them on, and again, I'd like to get the um, whoever is in charge of of sheep more or less. Like you said, it used to be Janet George. I'd like to get them down here and talk to them just for my own curiosity on certain numbers, how they figure things out, you know, nothing negative. Just I'm, I'm, I'm curious where they come up with their numbers. Like when there is a bad winter, can you halt the tags or do they're like, fuck it, we got the money, so they're just not going to shoot anything. There's no animals there. Right. Is it, is it that type of a deal? And then oh, let's take a, uh, for example, Anders where he went on his antelope tag, he ran into a game warden down there and said, man, I put, how many points did he <laughs> Too many. <laughs> and he was like, I'm not seeing any, any antelope. This was 11-point tag. And they're like, well, just because you put in for an 11-point tag, that may just mean the numbers are really low, and so it takes a lot of points to draw it. It may not be a premier unit. Um, is, if, did that make sense of that? Not at all. Uh, Anders put in for a very high-point unit for antelope, blind. He went down there. He didn't find hardly any antelope, but he found a game warden. He went to the game warden and said, where the fuck are all the antelope?" And he said, oh, this isn't a high number antelope unit. The reason the points are so high is because we don't want very many people in here because there's not many antelope.
1: Okay, I, I see what the game <laughs> ward is saying in regards to, you know, let's say that the, at a time maybe there was 100 tags available, but because of a bad winter kill or whatever, they are only making make the uh, 10 tags are available. So they dropped it by 90%. So it's going to be a lot harder for everybody to get, a tag that there's only 10 tags available so yeah i would have to say you have to do a little bit of your research and um and i don't know what kind of database there is for that kind of research and in, in regards to antelope i've hunted down there a lot back when i was younger there was a lot of antelope
2: and there were a lot of big antelope i think historically it was a good unit but not anymore and what? they probably haven't adjusted and also one other thing he uh he told me he went off of uh whatever magazine hunting fool or i think it's a good <laughs> example that people should, those tools are there to use, but you should also do a little. A oh, little I'd bit. love Not, to use. Nothing against Anders, yeah. but I, I love to
1: use hunting fool. I mean, because wherever they say to go is where I, I want don't to go. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly.
0: I've said that, and I've pissed off. I'm sure hunting fool, but and same with Eastman's. Like Eastman's will fuck up a unit quick. And there was one specific unit. It seemed like I was getting blamed for, um, like some of the locals, and I'm like, I didn't. Over on that unit, they put it as a blue chip unit in their magazine, right? Mm -hmm. And so what Eastman's does, and I get along with Guy and Ike and Mike, is they have whoever, Frank, you're in charge of unit, pick one, 371 or, or whatever area. So Frank gets on the horn and you call guys like me and Harold and ask info, and then they write their little data thing on that specific unit. I helped a guy out in a GOAT unit once a few years ago. Now it was a premier goat unit from what one of these magazines said. And we were finding three year old billies and a fuckload of nannies. Now in that unit, there was 189 goats in three days. We saw 190 goats. We probably saw every goat, right? Or, Or not every goat, but most of them. And I'm like, dude, do you think there's just like 10 billies fucking hiding? Like we've seen, there's probably a couple But you got bad info, right? Like you got info from one of these magazines that probably wanted everybody to hunt there, so they didn't hunt this other unit. If and that's kind of what you're saying, correct? It's
1: a science there too, and then uh, and with hunting full, especially with Garth. He'd hunt a living shit out of it before he ever let the general public know about it. Um, so it was after he got what he wanted out of it, then he would turn it in over to, you know, to the rest yeah. of it. <laughs> um, so once he got the landowner tags and things like that to, uh, to go ahead and exploit and to, to get everything he needed out of the unit, there no way was he going to do it until he got his portion of the pie. I mean, I had, a I did a podcast with, uh, with Jason Carter with Epic Outdoors and, I got interviewed them by them, and they wrote up a big article about me in October last last year. October issue, you know, like a ten page deal, and it was a real good article. But I I, I was really surprised it posted because I told them I wasn't really into the how social media has really turned into um, making people not earn it in regards to where they go hunting. Back in the day when I was doing it, I'm still a seven minute topo map guy. I still haven't got learned the new age stuff. But with the new age stuff, between Google Earth. Han Onyx, which I think are Onyx, uh, awesome. I got both of them. That you can do your own research. You can do your own. Man, you know this drainage back here looks like there's enough intermittent streams. It's going to be a real boggy area. There's got to be some stuff in there for wallows. That's a good place. I'm going to go check it out for elk. You got the sky view 3D. You got everything you need at your fingertips. But then a lot of people rely so much and want to be the hero of the day of just saying, God, I'd love to be able to tell someone like Garth Carter or or whoever that, um, you know, where this giant, giant buck is. And I tell them now I'm the hero of the day. And they just, they love that, uh, they love that hero mentality. 15 minutes
0: of fame. Let me rewind that a bit because this fucked up a very good mule deer spot. Hoff knows what David Hoff knows about it. So rewind eight to 10 years. There was a a specific unit and I'm not going to get into any of that, obviously, but a guy from Pennsylvania went in there blind and found some tanks right and and this was an area i had planned on hunting the next year so he calls anyone with any mule deer prowess david long kip fowler i don't think he called uh link called robbie roy grace and told tell, them all tells them all so that unit that that area was fucked. right i mean and, yeah and this was an area where you hike up your three or four miles in, and then you, you hit these two basins and they just held big deer you know the day of the 20 to 30 good bucks in a basin type of an area it was one of those hidden gems. Totally fucked it up. Well, luckily, I actually had a, a couple guys that were asking me that drew the unit that lived down there. And I said, hey, these two basins used to be good. I don't know if they still are. Go check it out. Don't tell anyone. I don't want to kill you. And what had happened was, I think, is it was almost like a bad winter. There was three years of people piss pounding that. And then Five went by of guys like me saying, fuck it, I'm just not going to go back. And it sounded like it was pretty good again, but that five minutes of fame that guy wanted, fucked that basin's up for three to four years. I mean, anybody and everybody was back there. Exactly. And that happens a lot with sheep, goat, mule deer. Mule deer, it seems like worse than anything because it's harder to get, obviously, the, the, the sheep tags, but.
1: I mean, there's a whole there's a whole thing about keeping stuff close to your chest, and there's a there's a and there's a and there's a big hunting ethic that a lot of people lose track of because of this media, this social media thing. Of just it's national forest, it's everybody's land, and 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 we've touched on it just slightly before in regards to hunters. Aaron takes me to his hunting spot over in over the counter unit in this place over here, and we go up there and we find some elk. And as just the veteran that I am. I'm, I'll never go back there. I'll definitely never tell nobody about it. I'm not going to go back there tell, you know, unless Aaron invites me. And, um, and that sounds foolish. Like, holy cow, if this is White River National Forest, it's, it's public land. Why wouldn't you go back there? I'm like, well, I've got so much feet on the ground. I do have other hunting spots, but I know what it took to find this because I have done it myself. I do know how hard it is to go into this basin. It's stagnant. Going to this basin is stagnant. Going to the next one and finding out that's the honey hole. So I know what Aaron has into this thing. Now, if we found another hunter back in there, hell. We know he earned it. We'd shake his hand and help him pack out his elk. I mean, that's just how it is because we know what it took for him to find it. But if we go back there and, oh, how'd you find out about this spot? Oh, I was reading uh, Hunt and Fool magazine and they, you know, they had the GPS coordinates. Or I got on the social media and some guy was giving me GPS coordinates and this is right where I needed to go. And What's worse I'm not going to shake that guy's hand.
0: I, got, I saw, you know, I figured it out from, you know, Google map overlays from a picture somebody posted. And that's how I got back here. Right. Like something like that, that does irritate the shit out of me. Like if your only job is to follow me, Frank, South Harold and 14 other guys to look at their photos, to try to find a mountaintop that they can find a copy. I'd say that happens more than
2: anything.
1: Oh, you're exactly right. I I heard that example not too long ago. Why would, uh,
2: why would somebody want to go to, it's funny to think that somebody would want to go to a unit that people know what they're doing are in there and try to compete with them. Not that necessarily it's a competition, but you're, you're going against these guys that fuck kill shit every year, and then you're going to go in there and try to—I don't know—leapfrog off of them or something like that. It, it seems a little crazy.
1: They want—they want to kill something big themselves. They want to see it on lay their own eyes on it, which I 100% respect, and I would, it'd be great if everybody could kill big stuff and lay their eyes on big animals. I mean, I don't kill big stuff every year, but I lay eyes on big animals every year, um, and it's just—I uh, don't know where the fine line is between earning it and just giving it away. And taking it,
0: yeah, it's getting it's getting pretty hairy in in Colorado. I get a lot of hate because I'm sending guys to Idaho, but I you know I'm not doing it. Well, I'm totally doing it because I don't want to see more people here. But Colorado's getting overrun. I mean, there's just a lot of people hunting here, and I mean, it's public land. I I get that, but there, like you said, there has to be some. I don't say dignity, some honor. Like, don't be a total fucking dickhead. Copy off, so you know you're in Iowa. You look at Google Earth, you figure out where a guy is, you go in there blind to try to copy his spot off all his hard work. I mean, I get it. I just, I don't roll that way. I, I have a hard time, you know, doing that. You know, it right. just doesn't, doesn't seem right.
1: And then even in the states like Idaho, I mean, that's a good example. I, there used to be, I hunted Idaho three years ago over the counter. I mean, they had leftover tags. Um, and I went in there and was able to kill a really nice bull right after Colorado season was over with, and I think those days are gone. But Colorado, I mean, the, the Idaho residents are like, "Hey, well, there's too many non-residents coming here. We need to put caps on that. We need to eliminate that because get, we can't even find a place to park in our own state." They listened, and they cut back the tags. And they, but they told them, "Hey, we're gonna have to raise the resident tags. We're gonna have to raise the price of that, for you're gonna have to cover that bridge." And they voted on it, and the hunters were like, "We want to be able to hunt our own state." They listened to them. And I think out of all the states that I put in for, and I put in for a bunch, that the highest state that allows hunters to come in is Arizona. It's 10% of the tags, but not to exceed 10%. It's not guaranteed 10%. So if you put in for a unit and they pull out of the hat and all residents get that unit, no non-residents hunt that unit. It's just not to exceed 10%. Colorado's up to that 35 45% to non-residents. And we have a ton of units that's over the counter that doesn't even apply. But um, we are off, off the charts catering to, and they say catering to, I say catering to, but would you rather have a quality hunt and, and have a place to park and have a place to hunt to without seeing tons of hunters? And I think that's where Colorado's missing the boat is, is make it a quality hunting state um, and, and, and a fun time in the woods rather than competing and then running to the top of the mountain to get there before the other guys do.
0: Yeah, what were you saying? You mentioned yesterday um, on the phone. They were talking about uh, over the counter with caps, what was going on with that or
1: um yeah, what they're doing now is uh, they were going to do the last time I talked to Steve Hilde is they were looking at trying to put caps on our over the counter units, which I'm hundred percent for, but it's include the non residents it's put it's why i mean I don't I don't think as selfishly being here in Colorado, I mean they put caps on me in every single state I hunt besides Colorado I mean, when I go out of state, I am I'm, I'm, I'm into a cap and Colorado is the only place you're not. So, I mean, it, it's, it's just so one-sided. So, um, what the DOW doing at Colorado, uh, I keep calling the DOW and I know they're called something else now, but CPW, CPW, yeah.
2: <laughs> Parks and wildlife.
1: Yeah. Um, but it, they, uh, but they're not going to do that. They're not going to ever challenge. They're never going to do caps on non-residents. So what they ended up doing is instead of having being caps now they're the focus on leaning on a hundred percent draw so not not having any over-the-counter tags just being a draw so
0: i would i'll raise my hand for that i would like that
1: yeah and i think (laughs) and i I think what they would do is they would incorporate like let's just say this front range everybody's familiar with the front ranges so i'm not giving away anything. so you know 38 or 36 39 you know up the i-70 corridor um, they would might incorporate four or five units all in one, you know, draw. Yeah, one draw, yeah. One draw, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to capture you and keep you right there rather than you go to your favorite spot up there on the hill and uh, over-the-counter unit, and then it didn't work, and that was your week's vacation. So now you're going to hunt something close. You're going to hunt unit 38. You're going to hunt 36. You're going to hunt somewhere close. And it just, it just crowds a lot of people. So I'm on board with it being you put in, and that's where you hunt.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think what I would like, like if I had to diagnose this and look at it is, first off is, is, is give me the printout for all the over-the-counter tags, um, how many total over-the-counter tags, then take all the over-counter units, do some basic general math, figure out what allotted number per unit should be, and then run it like that. Say, okay, so there's, I don't know, there's 500 elk hunters that hunt in the twenty eight. The fuck are all those three 371, 37 28 18 there's like four yeah, or five yeah. of them okay there was 500 elk hunters in there okay well now that's the cap or less than that and you have to put in for it and like you said you have to stay in that area
2: so basically you you think they'd want to split into regions basically i would like them to yeah. and i would like to have
0: caps on those regions personally the thing is is so let's say next year the four of us luke is here now hi luke um we're all going to go hunt together and we're going to hunt elk. The, uh, if we're going to all hunt together, we can hunt 60% of the state at any time, right? Because it's over the counter. We got over the counter. As of tech. now, yeah. As of right now, I think it would be 100%. I mean, I, I would agree that there's a cap on it and then we're locked into a specific unit. So we can't, you're the man, you can't bounce around. You're stuck with that unit. And the lazy people that don't want to put in for it weeds them out. You know, I I don't know. What do you think?
1: Well, I think they would have to put some science behind it. Like I say, we'll, we'll, we'll pick on unit, this front range, like unit 30. I keep saying that, but it says, I live in 38, which is the only reason I'm saying that. Is this, it's find out how many elk deer are in that unit. Do some science behind it. Because if it's over the counter, they're not going to have any history of how many hunters are actually hunting two thirds of the state. That's over the counter because they have no idea where they're going. They could be hunting 38 this weekend, 36 next weekend. And then down there in the Christie's the following weekend, I mean, you have no idea there's nowhere to track everywhere they've been. So the first time you do this, how are you going to come up with the amount of tags you're going to allow for these units with, and you're going to have to do that. I would think by knowing how many animals can sustain a certain amount of hunters, just like you do the limited draw units and make and treat every unit the same way.
0: Yeah. And I think you could probably figure out pressure wise, figure out how many animals are there it probably wouldn't take a whole lot to figure out just off of talking to people that have hunted the area. Has it been overpopulated? Is there too many hunters? I mean, there's a couple areas on that I-70 corridor that I used to hunt that were relatively productive, good units that are just straight up overcrowded now. I mean, you can't, I mean, you just can't, it's not even worth hunting anymore. And I know I totally get it. I got a lot of hate mail from saying this before when we talked about it, where I wanted to limit the out-of-state hunters. I understand that, but I also understand the fact that if, you know, there's 30 cars at the trailhead, 26 of them for out-of-state hunters, the chances of any of them actually killing anything are pretty slim. Um, If you're on the numbers, what is it, 17%, 12% success Uh, Way way low, yeah, lower than that. Yeah, low is if you were to, even though you would hate it revamp this and you bump up to a 30 percent chance of killing something you don't run into as many people
1: that's a good example yeah you know you may you you, You have a quality hunt
0: a a quality hunt you may not get to do it every year and i understand that but i would much rather hunt every other year and know i have a good eye chance or or however it works out than you know the mortal combat hunting of of beating yourself to death, running into tons and tons of people while you're back there.
1: Doing so more can, of that than you are hunting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's happening every year, but. Well, man, we've been on for over an hour here. Is there anything Sounds else good. you want to cover?
1: No, no, this was good. It was fun. Well, this time we got to talk about hunting and not too much politics into it. And so, <laughs> uh, um, no, this was a, this was good This was
0: fun. We'll do it again. Yeah, definitely, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Harold.
1: You bet.